Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm excited to preach to you this morning, and uh, I, I want to I say, first of all, uh, to Pastor Nick, he preached an incredible word last week. I don't know if you were here. If you, did, if you missed it, you need to go get it. And just talking about preparing room for the Lord during this season. We're praying and fasting and uh, asking God to come, show up, speak to us, work, do what he does. We, want, we just want him to be Jesus. We want him to do what he does. And uh, so I want to encourage you to go back, if you missed that, to go back, get that on podcast. And anytime, you know, Pastor Nick, again, thank you. Uh, Rachel, I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear his, his message yet? Have you heard it? He told you about it, but you need to hear him preach it because uh, you need to get right, girl. And, and, uh, it was, sometimes it's better for, how many of you know, how many of y'all know, y'all have heard some great sermons. That's a good place to say yes. But a timely word is better than a great preached word. And that was greatly preached and timely all at the same time about creating God room. And I'll, I'll just pick up a little bit of it because it, yeah, I was fired up. And when, when I hear good preaching, great preaching, it makes me want to preach. I go, I can't wait till next week. And so uh, he talked about the Shunam, Shunammite woman. Remember her in the Old Testament? Elijah the prophet would pass through Shunam. And she, she went to her husband. The scripture says they were well-to-do. And she goes, let's, let's create a space so when the prophet comes through, he could stay with us. And she created, they created, they added on, little little addition to their house, a place. So when he was passing through, shoot him wasn't much, you know. It's kind of a kind of a travel stop. People didn't go there. They just stopped there to re, re-up their supplies. And so they created a room, and Pastor Dick did a fantastic job talking about the elements of the room and what they represented. And so last week, you might remember, he talked about you got to have a bed in there. A bed represents the place of rest. Would you just say that word with me? Rest. How many of you could use some rest? Wouldn't it be great if you could just, you know, every once in a while you get that day. And I, 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 it works like this in my household. Go, baby, what, what, what do we got to do today? You know, it's a Saturday. She, I love it. Happens rarely. Ever so often, she'll say, nothing. And I say, ooh, say it again. She'll say, nothing. We got nothing to do today. How many of you love that day when you go, I ain't got nothing to do today? We need rest. And then he talked about there was a table there. And the table represented communion, a place that you sit down, you eat. He talked about the bread. Remember, he talked about the butter from that restaurant. And I know what restaurant he was talking about because I've been to that restaurant. I knew it from get-go when he talked about that soft butter and that bread. He's talking about Fleming's. He's talking about Fleming's. How many of you know, Heidi and I go, when we get out this fast, we go into Fleming's because <laughs> I'm getting some of that bread. But he talked about that, the bread, the place to eat, the word where you open up your Bible and God speaks to you. Talked about the lamp. Remember, you turned the light on. The revelation of God. How many of you know one word from God can change everything? 
You can be walking in the middle as we just sang about it. And then God will come and speak and say something to you. And you go, it's all going to be all right because God just talked to me. How many could use some revelation that God would just speak to you in the situation that you're in? Let me see your hand. You're going, come on. You're in the spot. And then he talked about the chair, the place of authority. The place where, maybe he used daddy as an example. Daddy got a chair. Nobody sits in daddy's chair. And we were all laughing because we've all experienced it. Because every daddy's got a chair. The chair of authority. The, the lazy boy. And I was laughing because there were times, I can remember one time I was sitting in the, my daddy's chair as a teenager. And I was feeling kind of frisky, right? And daddy going, hey, you know, daddy never said, get out of my chair. He just looked at you. You knew what he was thinking when he just looked at you. You're like, what? One time I just went, what, what? There's plenty of seats around here. And then daddy does the step. Did your daddy ever used to do the step? That's kind of where they go. Like that. And it don't matter who you are, you flinch. Because you know daddy means business when you get the step, right? And you get out the chair. I want to talk about the chair I want to take it to the next level and talk about this chair of authority that Jesus has to have in all of our lives. So I want to, I want to lay that out for you, and I want, to, I want to encourage you as we get ready for Daddy's chair. And in fact, if I was going to entitle this message, I would call it the storm before the storm. Not the quiet before the storm, but the storm before the storm. So I'm going to lay out my case for you in the first half of the message. In fact, I actually was going to preach two different messages. I wasn't sure. Heidi and I were talking about it, and I started preaching them to her, and I figured out I'm just going to join them together. And this is going to come out raw and real. It's, it's not one of those polished sermons. It's just what I feel God is saying in my heart uh, to our congregation. Are you ready? Yeah, you're going to, some of you are going to really be encouraged and go, okay, I got this right. Some of you are going to be convicted, and you're going to go, i got to get this right. So you're either going to be confirmed or convicted, one of the two, in the room. There's going to be no in-between. There's going to be no in the middle. In fact, if you're in the middle, then you're not hearing me. Let me say it again. You'll either be convicted or confirmed. And if you're in the middle, you're not hearing me. So I want to, I want to talk to you about... And I was convicted by this passage of Scripture. I want to take you straight to the Apostle Paul, and he is going to talk about the message that he was sent to preach. In fact, let me take you to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5. You see, Paul writes, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now you're going to help me because when it's yellow, I'm going to need your help. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Let me translate it for you. Paul's saying, we've got really just one message and if we don't get the first message, if we don't get this message right, then anything else that we might preach to you really doesn't matter. If we don't get right that Jesus is Lord, the Lordship of Jesus, the seat of authority that he should have in every one of our lives, that he's the boss, we're not. 
that he is the Lord. And it's, in other words, Paul's saying, look, I got one message I preach, and here's the message, Jesus is Lord. Hey, don't miss next week, y'all, because I've got another message I'm going to preach to you. It's entitled, Jesus is Lord. Don't miss this December when we come back to celebrate Christmas, because I only got, I got this message just burning in my heart. Here's the message, Jesus is Lord. It was the one central message Jesus already set the example, when he was here on the earth, he would preach this message, the kingdom is here. And in order for there to be a kingdom, you gotta have a king. So he already set the pace, Paul continued it, saying Jesus is the Lord, he's the only one who deserves the seat of authority on your life, or in your life. We all want the bread. We want the revelation. We want the rest. But if you don't get the seat right with Jesus in authority, you don't get any of the rest of the things. I am convicted by this, and I, I want to just be transparent with you. I am convicted that we haven't, let me say it this way, there have been times where we've preached a man-centered message instead of a Christ-centered message. For example, how to have peace in your life, how to have a blessed life, how to have a good marriage. If we don't get Jesus in the center, in the seat of authority, you can preach those messages all day long. You'll never have those things until Jesus is in the authority of your life. Are y'all tracking with me? I'm going to break it down in a minute. Are you with me? So I've counseled, I'm going to help your marriage right now. I'm going to save your marriage right now. I'm going to solve your marriage issues and problems. How many of you got one? Don't raise your hand. Uh, <laughs> I know you're here. You, do you really want to know? You're not going to like the answer, but I'm going to tell you because I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to warn you. If you really want, I'm, I'm going to tell you the secret. What's the secret to having a good, good, in fact, I think usually in February we start a relationship series. There's only one message we need to preach. That message should be Jesus is the Lord. Every time we've sat down for 30 years, sat down with couples, and you go, we've got a problem. She shares her side of the story. He shares his side of the story. They all go down to the same root. Somebody, or usually both, is not submitting to the lordship of Jesus in their life. Now, you didn't hear me. One of them is not submitting to the Lord in their life. They're not acting like Jesus. I'm trying. So I, I, want you, I want you to follow with me. I'm going to unpack it here in just a second. I want you to, I want you to see it. And, and by the way, let me tell you how to have peace in your life. Give Jesus the seat. Let me tell you how to have a blessed life. Obey the Lord. Do what he commands you, and it will go well with you. In fact, he won't just bless you. He'll reward you. If you really go, I just want a great marriage. Husband, 
Follow Jesus. Make him the king of your life and do what he says. And when you open that book and it's against what you thought, change the way you think and obey the Lord. And if you'll do that, I promise you, she'll change. How many of you would like a new wife? Raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. Change. If you'll change, she'll change. I promise you. Let me take you to the definitive passage that many of us have heard, preached, talked about. It's found in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, where it says, if you declare with your mouth that, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. Say that yellow with me one more time. Jesus is Lord. Let's declare it. Jesus is Lord. Say it one more time. Jesus is Lord. Now, this was, this was to the first century church, this was not, this, in fact, this was the common phrase. In fact, if you were Christians, the way you would greet one another is that you would say those three words. Jesus is Lord. That's the way they knew each other was, remember, they were under Roman rule. They were under persecution, tribulation, where it could even cost you your life if you were a follower of Jesus. So when they would meet someone, they'd say, Jesus is Lord. And they'd go, yeah, Jesus is Lord. Under Roman rule, in fact, if you were caught being a Christian, it wasn't uncommon for them to take you to denounce that Jesus was Lord. Remember, the Romans believed in multiple gods. In fact, you could believe in any god. In fact, you could even add Jesus to the list of other gods that you had. They didn't mind that. They just didn't want you to be exclusive and say Jesus was the only Lord. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? You can believe all kinds of things. You can even add Jesus to that, but don't say Jesus is the Lord. Don't say he is the way, the truth, and the life, or you're going to offend all of our culture. And so it wasn't uncommon, so when they wanted to persecute a Christian, that they would bring him and they would say, you got to denounce Jesus, you got to say Caesar is Lord. And, and if you didn't say that, if you said that Caesar is the Lord, then they say, now, now provide a sacrifice for Caesar to prove that. And then after that, then they'd say, now you need to denounce Jesus as Lord. By the way, don't be surprised if one day we get there real soon. Don't be surprised if one day, and I'm not prophesying, Lord, please, I'm not prophesying, I don't want to do this, but it could happen that one day they could come and handcuff someone for preaching the Bible and call it hate speech. In fact, I think they're already doing it in Wales or Europe, one of the European countries, that if you preach against certain things called sin, that it could, could be considered hate speech. Are y'all tracking with me? Are y'all picking up what I'm leaning down? Watch this. Okay, watch this. Jesus is Lord. Listen, we can put all other kinds of things on the seat of authority. In fact, you can put your career on it. You, you can put money on it. You, you can put your kids on it. You can put a hobby on it. You could put politics on it. You can put your heritage on it. You can even put sex on it. I don't know if there's any more I need to add to that, but you get the point, right? 
that you can put something else on that instead of submitting to the lordship of Jesus. I was so pleased. I, I actually counseled one of, our, one of our men who's got to make a career choice. He, he's at a point in his life going, I'm going to go left or I'm going to go right. We visited, and all he said was, all I want to know is the will of God. What was he saying? I just want to please the king that is in authority over my life. I'll quote him. I'd rather be poor and in the will of God than to be rich and out of it. Are y'all with me? Encourage me. You got to get Jesus back in the right place of your life. Now listen to me. Stay with me. I want to take you I want to take you to the first sermon ever preached in the church. It's in the book of Acts. It's the birth of the church. Peter's going to stand up and preach, but let me take you to one key verse, and we'll do a little theology. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and and, okay, let me, let, me, let me use a different word because it's a word that we're used to. When you hear the word Messiah, Lord and Savior, Jesus is both Lord and Savior. Or you might have heard it this way. He is Savior and Lord. Now, everybody look right here because I want to help you. Savior and Lord, if I had a coin, it would be Savior on one side, Lord on the other. And you can't take one side off of the coin and for it to remain a coin. you got to have both Savior and Lord. So if you go, he is my Savior, you can't separate those two. If he is not your Lord, then he is not your... And if he's not your Savior, then he's then he's not your Lord. So you, you can't say, I want to go to heaven, Savior, but I don't want you up in my business. Now let me say it again because somebody didn't get it. You can't say he's my Savior and then tell God you can't be up in my business. No, you've met them. You've met them. Oh, they profess one thing, but yet they live another thing. They think they're going to heaven. They think they're saved, maybe because they walked into a church like this and raised their hand. But if there's something didn't happen on the inside to give them a new nature so that they now want to submit to the lordship of Jesus, then they didn't get saved. No, there are many that are going to go to heaven. In fact, Jesus is going to talk to them. Watch this. He's even going to speak to them. And maybe he's even speaking to you today. It's found in the book of, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm, I'm going somewhere. Hang, hang tight. I lost my place. Luke chapter 6, verse number 46 and 49. Jesus is speaking. Watch this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say. Watch what he goes on to say. I will show, show you what it looks like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, 
and then what? Then they follow it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep, lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters rise, or when the storm comes and breaks against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't, doesn't obey, is like a person who builds his house right on the ground without a foundation, and when the flood or the storm comes, it sweeps down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So if anyone recognizes Jesus Christ as their Lord, then their first requirement for such a person is utter and total obedience. Let me, let me tell you something that I got convicted of. Again, when we received the offering, don't forget there's three ways to give here at Our Savior's Church. You can give online, as Heidi and I do. You can give via text messaging. Or you can give uh, here, live in person. We'd like to thank you for your, look at me. It's not generosity. I don't give out of generosity. I give because I put Jesus on the throne and he told me to give a tithe of everything I make. I give out of obedience, not out of generosity. I don't think this side got what I just said. It's not out of, it's not out of generosity. We mean, well, I'll just feel generous today. I think we're going to give to the Lord, to the Lord's work. I just feel generous. No, 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 no. Because he, he said, wait a minute, if you'll obey me in this area, if you'll submit to me in this area, don't see if I won't open the windows of heaven and reward you for your obedience, not for your generosity, for your obedience. Now you say, Pastor, have you been generous? Yes. Yes. Yes, there are times that we are generous above and beyond. But we give out of our obedience to him because he sits on the throne of our heart and our life. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? So I want you to hear, and then I'm gonna talk to you in just a second. So it's out of that. Anyone, Lord, Savior. My notes keep flipping back and forth for some reason. I don't know, technology. Watch this. Let me get back to Romans 10, 9, and 10 because I want you to see this. If you declare with your mouth, that Jesus is the Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now let's read the next verse. It's important. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth. He flips it. First he says, no, if you confess Jesus is Lord because you believed in your heart, but now he's going back and saying, no, no, Lord, it is with your heart that you believe, and it's your heart that that's the reason why you're justified. You're not justified by what comes out of your mouth. It begins in your heart that you have placed him upon the throne of your heart, and then it comes out of your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you profess that, and you'll be saved. I like this version. I like King James better because it doesn't say profess it. It says confess it. 
How many of you know there's, some, there's difference between professing something and confessing something? You ever had to confess? You usually had to confess because you were guilty of something. Profession, I profess. I profess. I can remember as a, as a kid, I used to have a football coach in junior high. Let me just say, he's, he didn't call me Pastor You. He just said, Eugene. He just said, Eugene, I, I, brother, you just, you, you got to get some weight on you. You got, you got to grow. So <laughs> you're just a little too small. And, and, I, and I would say, I'm going to be six foot two, 225 pounds one day. How many of you know I was professing? How many of you know I don't have a chance? How many, maybe in heaven, when we get new bodies, I'll be 6'2", 225 pounds. How many know, it don't matter what you profess. You can profess something. How many know it's different when you have to confess something? Let me ask you this question. I'm asking myself this question, too. There's a double-edged sword. One comes back at me. When was the last time you had to confess that you were a Christian and that Jesus is the Lord? Why, do you, why are you so peaceful during these troubled times? Well, it's because Jesus is my Lord. He, he's on the throne of my heart. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and everywhere in the middle. I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. See, I've... I got him on the throne of my heart. I'm not, listen, we're in the time, I'm going to show you just a second, but we are in the moment where we are in the storm before the storm. I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope you replay this message back again to me one day and go, Pastor, you, you missed it. We are not going back to normal. I just want everything to get back. It's not going back to normal. Pastor, you think it's going to get better? I don't. I, I, I think more storms are coming. I, I think there's a reason for the storm that we're in. I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. I think there's a reason for it. I think God is trying to talk to us. I think he is screaming at us. He is loud. He is, he's talking. And if we don't hear it and heed it, you're going to be in a world of trouble in the future. Pastor Eugene, do you believe, I mean, is this a bad news? I mean, golly, you're just all negative all of a sudden. Negative. No, no, no. I, I, believe God, I believe God's going to treat his people like he treated them when they were in bondage in Egypt. When the plagues came, he covered them. They didn't have to walk through everything that everybody else had to walk through because he took care of them. He's a good father, and he's going to take care of his sheep. But you better make sure. Pastor, you're feeling kind of judgy today. I'm not judging you. I'm warning you. You better get Jesus back on the throne. Submission to him, the lordship of Jesus. Victor's going to help me. You go, Pastor, you, will you, listen, I, I, don't think, I don't think we should be in judgment. But I do think you can recognize the fruit in people's lives. You, you can see, I, I, we met with one of our young girls the other day, a few days ago. Heidi and I did. You go, 
God's hands on that life. She goes, I'm just, just where I'm at. Goes, You're not even the same girl you were. We see the fruit of the working of God inside of you. Obviously, you've had Jesus on the lordship of your life. You're not perfect. None of us are. I, I, I'm not perfect. Y'all knew that, right? The Lord will convict. When, when Jesus is on the lordship, when you blow it, he'll convict you immediately. If he doesn't convict you, if, if the Lord doesn't convict me, Heidi does. Your, your wife too? And sometimes they're the same. Baby, you can't say that. You can't do that. We're all a work in progress, amen? You gotta get Jesus back. Now let me, let me tell you why. Watch this. I, I actually was gonna preach two different messages. One was this message. And then one was another message. And then talking to Heidi, we just, we put them together. He is the Alpha, he is the Omega. We just put them together. I, I want to take you of what I believe the Lord is doing. It's found in the book of Jonah. I want to show you. In fact, well, you can track along with me, but I'm going to read quite a bit here in the first chapter. I'll make a few comments. Watch this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. I want you to get up, and I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh, and I want you to announce my judgment against it because I've seen the wickedness of its people. Everybody tracking so far? God finds Jonah. Jonah. Yes, sir. Jonah's got the right spot. I lost my mic. Jonah, here's the deal. I want you to go and announce this judgment. A storm against Nineveh. Nineveh was wicked. They had no respect for life. They were violent, murderous. They'd cut the hands off of those who were guilty of crimes and gouge eyes out. They'd take their enemies and skin them alive. Wicked, barbarians. And God's like, it's time. That, that's come before me, and it's time, judgment. And so he's going to use, he's gonna use uh, Jonah. Go tell them a storm is coming. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite of direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Anybody ever done that before? Felt the Lord was telling you one thing and you did just the opposite? You went another way. Tarshish. So you got Nineveh, wicked city, and you got Tarshish, which is down by the coast. It was, it was a resort stop. It was, it was the Destin of its day. And so he's going to Destin. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little R&R. &R. I'm, I'm out of here. 3,000 miles away. Watch what happens. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent, violent storm. It threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep. All this time, he was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down to him. How can you sleep at a time like this? 
You know, Jonah represents in this story, don't you? Us. We're in a storm. Pandemics, politics, the injustices of our day. Only 50% of our church is back. It's, it's affected your life. It's affected mine. And we're in the, we're still, y'all are still sending me emails and stuff going, do you think Trump's going to get it? And I'm going, you're asleep. Wake up. Wake up. I just want to get back to, no, no, God's shouting at us. How can you sleep at a time like this? No, no, we, we're running the other way. Going, I, I want to get back to normal. Can we, can we just get back to normal? Because I like normal. I don't like, no, no, God's going, no, 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 church. I'm trying to wake you up because I've got a mission for you. And if I can't get you awake, I'll provide the storm so you can go and speak so that the storm won't come again. We're at the storm before the storm. Watch this. He shouted, get up, pray to God. These are pagan sailors. Pray to God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. God's judging the world. That's not what his scripture says. God says judgment begins in the house of God. Look at me right here. I, I, I'm government. I'm mad at government too. Everybody mad at me. And God is gone. And God, look at me right here. We live, our system is a representative government. Say that with me. Representative government. Right? Which means we vote for people and put them into office, local and national. If you don't, if you look up at the national government and you go, that is wicked. I don't like it. And it is. It is a representative of what's in our hearts. I don't like it. It's just a mirror of what's in our hearts. They cast the lots. They're wicked. They're pagans. Who is the one? It's Jonah! It's Why has this awful storm come down on us? Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? I'll translate. What are you supposed to be doing that you're not? 
where are you supposed to be right now? Because it ain't on this boat. I love, I love Jonah's answer. You're going to see the beginning of his heart. Now his heart's starting to melt because he's realizing, wait a minute, I've, I've taken God off the authority seat. I'm running the other way. I've put myself on the seat. Now I'm in authority. By the way, which is most of our sin, that we're sitting on our seat of our life instead of going, God, you're in charge. You've always been in charge. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I submit to the lordship of Jesus. You're the king. Jesus is the Lord. And watch what happens. Why has this happened to it? I love what Jonah's answered. I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made this sea and the land. He's starting to confess. He's starting to repent. He's out loud. And the sailors were terrified. And when they heard this, for he'd already told them he was running away from the Lord. Why did you do it? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? And I love verse 12. Throw me into the sea, and it will become calm again. I know that this, is, this terrible storm is all my fault. Repentance. Everybody say repentance. Thank God for repentance. Thank God that he gave us the ability that when we blow it, We can just go ahead and kneel back again. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm going to put you right back where you belong. And he'll restore the relationship. Watch what happens. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them. They couldn't make it. And then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Look at now. Now the pagans are praying. Now those who don't even believe in God are praying to Jonah's God. Can I just look at me right here? They got more prayers going up from lost people right now during this storm than ever before. Look, even the, the uh, online stuff and all the churches and all that, everybody's attendance is just going out the roof because everybody, even the lost, is tuning in. Watch what happens. Throw me into the sea, Jonah says. Instead, the sailors rode even harder. They're praying to God, oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death oh lord you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons and then the sailors picked jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once the storm God is talking to us. Now the Lord God had ranged a fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and for three nights. What a story, huh? Can you imagine? imagine, What do you think Jonah was saying inside the belly of that whale? I can imagine. Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. 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 You're the Lord. You're the Lord. You're the Lord. I'll do whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm the, Lord, just let me get out of the belly of this well. And of course, for those who don't know the story, the next, you can read chapter two. It's everything Jonah said. I am so sorry. You are the Lord of heaven and earth and fish and sky and, blah, and, blah, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just a heart of repentance. And then of course, we know that indigestion comes on the fish. Indigestion. He just vomits, vomits him, vomits him up onto the shore. 
And then, of course, you know what Jonah's going to do now, right? He's going to do what everybody who repents, they're going to go pick up where they left off. They're going to go now do what God told them to do. They're going to now go do. That's what repentance is. It's I'm going to turn around and now I'm going to obey the Lord and do exactly what he told me to do. And, of course, guess where he goes? Nineveh. He's going to go to that city. And I could just imagine what he smelt like. Could you imagine what he smelt? They, they smelt him before they heard him. And he walks in and goes, 40 days, judgment. 40 days, judgment. God is going to have judgment on this city. 40 days, 40 days. And to his surprise, they repent. They repent. And God holds judgment and keeps the storm from coming. Look, if God judged Nineveh, America doesn't have a chance. We're still sleeping in the boat. God, what are you doing? I just want everything to get back to normal. Normal ain't coming. Wake up, oh sleeper. Get God back on the throne of your life. You're wondering why God hasn't been speaking. He ain't speaking because he ain't on the throne. Why would he waste his word on us unless he knew we were willing to obey and do it? The lordship of Jesus putting him back in his right place again. Are y'all tracking with me? I told you, either he'll confirm you've been all right, or he's going to convict that you haven't. And there's really no in-between. I don't know what else to do, but other than to go, Lord, we put you back where you belong. In this church, my own heart, your heart. Maybe the storm is to convict the church to put Jesus back in his rightful seat so that we can turn around from going to Destin and turn back and head to Nineveh. Let's wake up. Do y'all receive this word today? You just say, I receive it. Just receive it. I just receive it. I receive it. It demands a response. Uh, I, my mom and dad are here, and my mom, she's over there. My mom used to listen to Christian television back in the early days and I, I remember I, I didn't care for much of it to be honest but there was one pastor I liked some of you might remember he's old time a lot years ago he's gone to be with Jesus is E.V. Hill anybody remember pastor E.V. Hill African-American pastor I love that I loved brother Hill I mean he's, he had that cadence that thank he had a cadence Miss Ruth he, he talked the Lord said Jesus is Lord of all or he ain't Lord at all there's no in between and here's what E.B. Hill said he said if he is going to be the prince of peace in your life it demands a coronation in other words you gotta crown him you gotta put the crown on him and submit to him. Father, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us, Lord? 
Forgive us, Lord. We've been asleep. You're yelling at us. And we're still sleeping. Father, we repent and put you back in the rightful place that you deserve. You are the Lord. You're the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You died to save us, but you resurrected to show us that you belong on the seat of authority in our life to submit to you, to obey your word, not to pick, not to choose, but to obey every word that comes from the mouth of God was to feed us breath and demand submission. Father, may we have to call you Lord, Lord, and you say, then why don't you obey me? We submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Father, forgive us. Set it back in order. We repent, Father. We're heading back to Nineveh because our world around us is dying. Our nation is dying. And it is a, represent, it's a representation of our own hearts. Father, would you come and take the place we crown you, King of kings and Lord of our lives. We confess that you our Lord. Forgive us, we pray, in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Jesus, forgive us. Father, your word says, with repentance comes refreshing from the Lord. Father, will we repent and get the refreshing? May we repent and get the refreshing. Would you turn the lamp on again in our lives? The revelation of the season that we're in. Father, we place you back in the seat so we could enjoy the rest. No matter what happens in our world, we could still be at rest. That the bread, when we open it, Father, we, we could see it, taste it. That's our prayer, Father. Maybe you're here today and you've been calling him Savior, but you now recognize he's never been the Lord. You can't separate those two. You can't call him Savior if he's not the Lord. Maybe today for the first time you're ready to submit your life to Jesus, to obey his word. Today, if you're ready to repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus and make him Lord, he'll save you. And today, I want to give you that opportunity. Today, Christians, would you pray? Maybe you're here and you're ready. Today's the day. He loves you. He's always loved you. For God so loved the world, he loves you. And if you'll make him Lord, he'll save you. And you're ready to bow your knee and crown him as Lord of your life. I want to pray for you right now. Would you just slip your hand up all over the room if you're ready? 
Pastor, today I'm ready. I'm ready to make him the Lord. Hold your hand up. Thank you. Hold your hand up high. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. I see your hand. Church, let's pray with these. Would you say, Heavenly Father, I confess I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. So I'm making you the Lord of my life. I'm submitting to your authority. You are my king. You are my master. You are my Lord. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do it your way. And when I don't, convict me. And I will be quick to repent and make it right. Receive me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God all the praise?